Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the New Testament book of Hebrews and Hebrews in chapter number 8. Hebrews and chapter number 8. Now we've been going through the book of Hebrews where we understand that the book of Hebrews is a New Testament commentary on the Old Testament through the light of Jesus Christ. And it shows all throughout the Old Testament that Jesus Christ is better. And we're thankful to the Lord for it, that Jesus Christ is better. And we learn so much about the person and the character and the office and the duties of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the section of Hebrews where we're at, it's been placing an emphasis on the order of Melchizedek, which is the line of priesthood that Jesus Christ inherited, became a part of. And we've been exploring the scriptures. Now we understand the book of Hebrews is a little bit more deeper. For example, the book of uh, John, the gospel record of John, is written at a fourth grade reading level. And so in the gospel record of John, they are one or two syllable words except for names. It is made to be very simple and very understandable. But as we go through the book of Hebrews, because it's giving a lot of Old Testament commentary and making a lot of references, and because of this, they're going to be bigger terms. And so it's a little bit harder to understand. It's written past a fourth grade reading level. And so there's a lot of things to discern and to go through. And because of that, it takes some time to uh, make sure that there's a good understanding. But when we go through there and we start seeing as these pieces get put together, it becomes a wonderful study on the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we find our way to the book of Hebrews chapter number 8 and as we are still on the cusp of talking about Jesus Christ being a high priest, we had already talked about him how he became the high priest through the order of Melchizedek and now as we start in chapter number 8 we continue with the thought of Jesus Christ being the high priest. So notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter number 8. The book of Hebrews chapter number 8. Notice with me in verse number 1. The book of Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou maketh all things according to the pattern showed, un, uh, showed to thee in 
the mount. And if you have a habit of marking things in your Bible, would you see an expression that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter number 8? Hebrews chapter 8, and notice with me verse 1. Such a high priest. Such a high priest. And I'm thankful that when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, he is such a high priest. Let's go to the Lord together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again as we have the great privilege of looking to you, learning more about Jesus Christ, and that we can learn more about the specific office of him being the high priest and what that means to us. Again, we thank you again for you and how you love us. And I'm asking that once again, you would open up this passage and help it to be understandable, help us to be able to discern from it, help us to learn more about you, and that we could just glean from your word. Again, I don't have the ability of myself. So the best I know how, once again, I surrender myself to you. Fill me with your precious spirit, that you would give me wisdom beyond myself to be able to get across this passage and point to the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Now the Bible records that there are three offices that the Lord Jesus Christ has. They are prophet, priest, and king. These are the three offices that Jesus Christ holds. Prophet, priest, and king. Now the Bible at certain sections of the Bible will place an emphasis on one of these offices. Whether Jesus Christ the prophet. The word prophet will carry the idea of preacher and it has two parts forth telling and foretelling and Jesus Christ was both he predicted things that would happen in the future for example Matthew 24 but he was also forth telling meaning he just declared what the bible said he would take the text read the text explain the text and apply the text and you could see that as he would open up different scriptures and he would explain the scriptures to his audience we also know another one of his offices is that he is king. And that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is what the Old Testament name of God, the most high God. And that we know one day he is going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And there are many passages that places emphasis on him being king. But as we come to the book of Hebrews and the last several chapters, it is placing emphasis on Jesus' third office, and that is his office of him being priest, that Jesus Christ is our high priest. Now in the last several chapters, it's been going through and explaining why Jesus could be of the priesthood even though he was not a Levite, he was from a different tribe. And the book, Bible takes time to answer the objections from those Hebrew scholars who would know of such things. And it shows that Jesus Christ was legally, as God had designed, it wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't something to backstop why Jesus is, but it was something in place the whole time. And now as we come to these five verses in chapter number 8, is placing emphasis on what a great high priest we have. The expression, such a high priest. That's not a boring expression. This is one of explanation. We have such a high priest. This isn't just a priest. This is a such a high priest. This is a wonderful office that Jesus has because it affects us directly. And so if you don't mind, let's take some time to walk through these 
couple verses here in Hebrews chapter number 8. And Hebrews chapter number 8, the first thing that I want to bring to your attention here is our high priest is also on the throne. Our high priest is also on the throne. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Notice with me in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. When it talks about this is the sum, this is the summary. So out of all the last couple chapters, when we're talking about Jesus Christ being of the order of Melchizedek, we're placing the emphasis on who Jesus Christ is in the office of the high priest. This is the summary statement. If you were to summarize what about Jesus Christ being the high priest, Jesus Christ being of the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ being our intercessor, what is the expression? What is the summary we could put dealing with Jesus Christ being our high priest? Here is the sum. We have such a high priest. We have such a high priest. Let me tell you. We, uh, you know, let me do a crude illustration. You know how kids sometimes at school, they start talking about their parents and my daddy's better than your daddy and they start to have the discussion. Well, this is that kind of thing. Let me tell you. My high priest, there's nothing like my high priest. He is such a high priest. It doesn't matter what you think your high priest can do. It doesn't match what my high priest can do. We have such a high priest. So it's this idea of comparison. There is nothing that compares to Jesus Christ. Why? How come they can't compare to Jesus Christ? Well, notice with me as it continues on in verse number 1. Now of the things which we have spoken of, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now let's go back and let's define our terms. A priest was someone who would be an intercessor, who would go in between the people and bring requests to God. They would go and give prayer requests to God. So as we think about the Hebrew high priest. His responsibility that once a year he had the weight of the entire nation on his shoulder. It was called the Day of Atonement. And on that Day of Atonement there was many things he would have to do. He would have to wake up and the first thing he would have to do is that he would have to have a sacrifice for himself. To make sure that he was forgiven and cleansed of his sin. He uh, remembered that the blood of goats and bulls didn't save. But he needed that reminder. It was a ceremonial thing as a reminder that he was a sinner. And his sin needed to be atoned for. His sin needed to be paid for. For the wages of sin is death. That something had to die for his sins. Then after he went through the ceremony of taking care of his sins, then there was the sins dealing with the rest of the world. And so during that day of atonement, after he would take care of his sins, he would have to come in and he would have to take two bulls. One of them would be for the sacrifices of Israel. The other one later on would be the scapegoat. And they would lay hands on it. And they would send him out in the desert to show that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. But then he would take that other bull that had to be killed. He would take the blood of that bull. And he would bring it beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies. And he would sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant with blood. 
And it was during that time that he would give his prayers, the prayers for the nation to God. And so this was a fulfilled day. And it was a big day. And it was a day that at this time ceremonially that the weight of the sins and the burdens and the request of all the nation was on his shoulders. But during that time, the high priest was still a servant. He was serving God. He was representing the people to God, but his position was always to the idea that he was subservient to God. Now, as we think of other religious leaders, the other religious leaders were the same thing. You take a Muhammad. A Muhammad was a prophet of the God Allah. He was the speaker. He was the going forth. But he was the servant of Muhammad. You think of a Joseph Smith who supposedly was out in the middle of nowhere and some angels brought him some golden um, tablets which he originally couldn't read the language but somehow miraculously he could read this ancient Hebrew and he quickly translated the, the things and was to deliver the message based off of the angels given to him and then when they were asked to find the golden tablets he went and buried them but they said they couldn't find him where he buried them. But regardless of the story, he was a servant. That's all he was. You go to any of the others. Buddha did not try to start a religion. He was seeking his own enlightenment because he was a miserable soul. He was a servant. But the one thing that makes our high priest different than the Hebrew high priest, than Muhammad, than all of the other religious figures, is that our high priest not only went into the presence of God, but he stood beside God and sat down beside God as king. There is no other religious leader whose high priest could claim to be God at the same time. There is no other religious leader who could also sit at the right hand of God to rule the world. No wonder the expression is, we have such a high priest. There is no one else. Moses didn't even have that privilege. He wasn't a high priest, but he didn't sit at the right hand of God. He was a servant of God. The first high priest, Aaron, he didn't sit at the right hand of God. He had his own sin problems to deal with, and they were plenty. He was issues himself, but he didn't sit at the right hand of God. He could just barely keep his job. But our high priest of Jesus Christ, he just doesn't go before God as a servant. He approaches the throne room of God, then sits down beside God at the right hand of him. So our high priest is also on the throne. Now with the things which we have spoken of, this is the sum We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. Our high priest is also God. He is also on the throne. There's something else that we see in this passage dealing with our high priest. That not only is our high priest also on the throne, but we also see our high priest is sent by God. Our high priest is sent By God. Notice with me verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary. Remember the word minister means servant. So a servant of the sanctuary. Speaking of the priest. A minister of the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle. Which the Lord pitched. 
and not man. So here it's talking about Jesus Christ who goes into the throne of the majesty and he is serving God not in a sanctuary that some guy built. Now we go to the earthly tabernacle which the plans were given to Moses. We'll speak about that in a second. But they were constructed by man. In fact, there was a specific man, Beaziel, who was tasked of God to carve all of these things and to teach people how to do it. There was a tabernacle that was carved by man. Later on, Solomon took the plans of the tap tabernacle and expanded it and built it on one of the highest hills in Jerusalem, had built this massive structure, then coated it with gold and made it so that way the sun would glint off of the tabernacle or the temple as people would come to Jerusalem so they could get a kind of a sense of the glory of God as they approached the holy city. But even Solomon's temple, as magnificent as it was, was still built by man. But the tabernacle, the temple that Jesus Christ serves at was not built by man. It was built by God. That makes him such a high priest. Because what man can say, hey, I'm serving in the place that God built. Jesus Christ is. The rest of us are serving in earthly structures. And working on things on earth. But Jesus Christ, such a high priest, he was sent by God. He had this place to serve that was built by God. Directly serving God, interacting with God. Now, of course, we understand that Jesus and God are the same person. But it's doing this for the idea that we can understand the human aspects of Jesus Christ, who is also God. And what he is doing for us and how different he is from the human high priest. As we come on, we learn something else about the Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest here. We see that our high priest offered himself. Our high priest offered himself. Notice with me in verse number 3. For every high priest is ordained or chosen, ordered, to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So here it's talking about the high priest, and the high priest, or the regular priest, their job was to have sacrifices. Can you imagine Solomon's dedication temple? I have the statistics somewhere, I'm going off memory. But they were at the place to to sacrifice all of those animals for the thing, they were killing hundreds of animals an hour. Could you imagine uh, that cycle of how many animals they would be sacrificed? And I'm not going to get into the things of it, but it was a bloody mess. And to hear the animals cry as they would go through and they would ceremonially kill them and they would drain the blood and they would do all this stuff and they would do the burnt offerings and all of these things that had to be done. And they would offer the animals. During the regular times, the people, they would come and they would uh, offer turtle doves. They would offer uh, goats. They would offer bulls. They would do different things during different ceremonies. And the priests were to offer these animals. Well, at the same time as Jesus Christ being a, the priest patterned after this, he had to offer something else too. But instead of offering bulls or turtle doves or goats... He offered himself. He gave himself as a sacrifice. 
the best sacrifice that could have been made. He gave himself to be offered for the forgiveness of sins for us. Notice as it goes on in verse number four. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there uh, were priests that offer gifts according to the law. Again, this is tying the whole thing. That the priest, they had to offer the things according to the law. It's one of the reasons why Jesus wasn't a priest here. Because he offered something that was outside of the law, but it was far better. That was himself. Because Jesus Christ had no sin. Think about this. We explained a little bit about the high priest. That the very first thing that the high priest would have to do uh, on earth, he would have to sacrifice on the day of atonement for himself. Because he was a sinner. Now why is this so important? Because God had made sure that anyone who crossed beyond the veil, only one person could cross and only once a year. And they had to be right with God. And God had made a threat that if a high priest went in there and wasn't right with God, he'd kill him. And so I want you to think about the problem that has. So let's imagine a high priest goes in. He's going to go to the Holy of Holies. And he's not right with God. And he dies. Well, now you've got a problem. How are you going to get the body out? Because no one else can go in there after him. So part of the priest's garb is he actually had bells on him. He also had a rope tied to him. And so as he moved, you could hear the bells jingling as he, he would do his duties. But if the bells stopped and he was no longer moving, they could always try to pull the rope to get him out just in case he wasn't functioning anymore. Can you imagine if someone was serious about God and understood that how much God hates sin, what a big responsibility that would be to go beyond the veil. It was a dangerous occupation because it was a serious enough. But Jesus Christ, he wasn't, didn't have to worry about whether he was right with God or not because he was perfect. He never sinned. And because of that, he was able to offer himself as a perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for sin. He offered himself up. And now he gets to continue his duties even after he sacrificed because he rose again and he's alive forevermore and he'll never die. He'll never grow old, never get tired. He'll always be able to perform his duties because he offered himself. As we examine, there's one more thing that I want to show you here. And that is our high priest was pictured by the tabernacle. Our high priest was pictured by the tabernacle. Notice with me in verse number five. Who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things. So here it's giving us a clear explanation. You know what the tabernacle and the temple were? They were pictures. They were always designed to be a picture. The animal sacrifices were a picture that because of my sin, something had to die. For the wages of sin is death. It was a reminder. That's why they had to come once a year. Because they needed that constant reminder. I'm a sinner and I must trust God's promises in order to have salvation. I cannot do it of myself. Something must die in my place. It was a picture. Notice as it goes on. 
who serve under the, the example and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou maketh all things according to the pattern showed unto thee in the mount. Now here it's recording as God had given Moses the plans. By the way, we had covered this in a previous series. This is one of the times that Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights up in the, tab, up in the uh, Mount Sinai. He was not receiving the Ten Commandments. He was receiving the plans for the tabernacle. God spent 40 days with him to go through every detail. This is why when you get to that place in Exodus, you're doing fine until Exodus 14, hit 15, eh, and then you start going through the plans of the tabernacle after chapter 20, uh, 22, and then you start going blah. Because God goes through every detail. How many hangers to hang up the curtain? How many rivets? How many carvings? How, he goes into extreme detail. Now, most of us who read that say, why in the world do I have to do this? And then he goes through it again. Leviticus. Oh. And then just to add to it, he does it again in a different tabernacle, a future one in the book of, uh, uh, the book of Ezekiel from chapter... Um, forgot which chapter is like 37 to like 42 or something and going through all this detail and some of you say God's just doing it to punish me I hate it why well the reason why God went through so many details and by the way he got a hold of Moses as it said here and he admonished him listen you do exactly what I say you don't have any leeway you don't use your imagination you don't you do exactly what I say by the way that makes the tabernacle the only perfect structure because it was the only structure planned by God and given the plans for. God was the perfect architect. But why did God go through so many details? Why was it that we had chapter after chapter of the hangings and how it's supposed to be done and how it's supposed to be designed? I mean, have you read through it lately? I mean, just go through it. If you need to go to sleep, there you go. Why so many details? Why? Because it was all a picture of Jesus. It was a shadow of things to come. It was a picture. And because of this, this is why God got a hold of Moses and said, Listen, don't mess this up. You do exactly what I say because I want my picture to be clear. It's all about Jesus. Don't mess up this picture. By the way, why was it that Moses was not allowed into the promised land. He messed up a picture of Jesus when he struck the rock the second time. Jesus was only struck the first time. And now all you have to do to get blessings from him is to speak to the rock. Remember that? This is why Moses wasn't allowed. He ruined the picture of Jesus. So God got a hold of Moses and said, listen here, don't mess this up. Yes, sir. Wouldn't you say yes, sir, too? Do exactly what I say. Why? Because this is all going to be a picture of Jesus. We'll cover this a little bit more next Wednesday night as we hit chapter number nine to explain how the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus Christ. This is what God's plan was. This is what he had in mind the whole time. It was to point everyone to Jesus Christ. He wanted to show these things. Because it's so important. No wonder we can exclaim. We have such 
a high priest. We have a high priest who not only serves God, but he sits down at the right hand of God. We have a perfect sacrifice the high priest has given to him. He has offered himself. This is the high priest who was pictured by the tabernacle. Aaron couldn't say that. He couldn't say, hey, you know what this tabernacle, it points to me. Aaron couldn't do that. The whole thing points to Jesus Christ. By the way, this is why studying the tabernacle is so important. First of all, because there are more passages dedicated in the word of God to the tabernacle and temple than any other subject. We need to major where God places the emphasis. If God places the emphasis on the tabernacle and temple, that means it's important. Why is it important? Because it points to Jesus Christ. It points to him. No wonder we can say we have such a high priest. So what do we do with a message like this? We're thankful that he's such a high priest. But let me ask you this. If the explanation here, if this is the summary of everything you've heard so much, is that we have such a high priest, does the thought of Jesus still make you go, wow? Or is he just, you got used to him. You know, we could get used to being saved. We could get so used to being saved, we forget what it was like to be lost. We could get to the place where we're at the place where we're used to being saved. We take it for granted. By the way, what's the first step of backsliding? Being unthankful, Romans chapter 1. Being unthankful is the first step of walking away from God. It's the first step of leaving God, of backsliding, being unthankful. God has done so much for you. We have such a high priest. Does Jesus still amaze you? Is he still wonderful? Is he still king? Is he still someone that you say yes sir to? Or do you say, that's nice, and walk away? One of the problems with American Christianity is we have a take-it-or-leave-it Christianity, and we leave it every time. It's not important to us. It's not a big deal to us. But we're at the place where we have such a high priest. This is, let me tell you how amazing God is. It should draw us close to him. It should bring us to the place where we say, I want to know more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. That's what we should want. More, more about him. Even in a study like this, you know, in a church that's not prepped, in a church that hasn't been told that this is going to be a big deal, if I preach this message anywhere else cold, you know what's going to happen in the pews? Everyone's asleep. A message like this is boring to people. Why? Because we're no longer amazed with Jesus. This is why the author of the book of Hebrews, Paul, um, took some time to say, listen, if this doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with you. This is why he gave that reminder. Why? Because we have such a high priest. This should be something I want to see more about Jesus. I want to find him on the pages. I want to look for him. You say, all right, so I need to be wowed with Jesus. I need to be interested in Jesus. How does that go? Do I wake up in the morning and force myself to say, wow. Well, remember that Jesus was found hidden, pictured in the tabernacle. So what you should do is when you read your Bible, God, teach me more about Jesus today. 
Lord, when I'm reading my Bible, it doesn't matter where you're at. Jesus is pictured there. Jesus is shown. Whether it's an interaction with God and the people in the Old Testament. You go through the historical books. And you go through the histories. We can see God interacting with the people. Whether it's in the prophecies. We can see that God cares his people. He's letting them know what's going to happen in the future. It doesn't matter if it's in the heart issues of man or the wisdom books where God is trying to tell us more about how to live a practical life. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you start your Bible reading with God, show me Jesus. He will. Because he's on every page. Show me more about Jesus. Show me who he is. I ask certain questions to certain people. Of course, people know my favorite question is, are you 100% sure if you're to die today, you go to heaven? My second favorite question, which most of you know, is how's your Bible reading? I'll ask you that. But when I get around preachers, here's the question I ask you. What's the last thing that you read in your Bible that made you go, wow? See, I'm mean to preachers too. What's the last thing you read in your Bible That made you go, wow. By the way, if you're a type of person that every time I ask you, well, I'm still in the Psalms. You're missing out. You're missing out. What is the last thing that made you go, wow, in the scriptures? Whether it's the preaching of God's word. Whether it was your personal Bible reading. Whether it was something that you were meditating on from God's word. What's the last thing that made you go, wow? You should be having wow moments all the time. That's why I ask it to preachers. They're convicted by that statement. By the way, it's a good thing. When I ask you how your Bible reading, that's a good thing. I'm not lording. I'm trying to encourage you. When I'm asking preachers that, I'm trying to give a reminder that you should be looking for Jesus. And by the way, most of the preachers appreciate me asking that. Because if they haven't gone wow in a while, it's because we haven't been looking for Jesus. We have such A high priest. We have a high priest that should make us go wow all the time. So when's the last time you said wow? When's the last time you dropped your jaw and went wow? That was amazing. Where you heard something so great you had to think about it. You could almost not go to sleep because you're just wow. I want to think about this is wonderful. Where it's still on your mind the next morning. Thinking about it. By the way, it's not my preaching. It's God's word that should do that. It's God's word. Because that points them to wow. When's the last time that make you wow? And if it's been a while, let me tell you how you fix it. You start your Bible reading every time. Show me Jesus. Show me something about him. Maybe it's been a while in your own personal Bible reading. Now, hopefully you're having some good wow moments through the book of Hebrews. But what about your own personal Bible reading? Maybe tonight you just want to say, God, I want to go wow. Wow me. Lord, I I want you to show me something. It'd be good maybe you just to come to the Lord tonight and say, God, I want you to wow me in my Bible reading this week. Do you think God would answer that prayer? Absolutely. You know, your Bible reading becomes greatly excited and it's something you look forward to if God keeps wowing you in your Bible. We have such a high priest. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.